0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question, your program's got to replace a generational talent at quarterback. How do you feel about it?
1: Uh, This might be one of those rare situations where I I would feel better than most would. Um, But, you know, we got somebody perfect to discuss this with us, Ethan Moore, joining us. Uh, on the show tonight, to help us preview the Louisville Cardinals, of course, replacing Lamar Jackson. Uh, he is the host of Louisville Sports Live on 939 The Ville, there in Louisville. Ethan, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Uh,
2: great, uh, great guys. Thanks for having me. Certainly appreciate
0: it. Always look forward to talking ACC Sports. Yes, sir. That's what we do here. A lot of people, uh, a lot of the outsiders don't really understand the reference of basketball conference. It's a bit of a tongue in cheek thing, but we are certainly in, in a football podcast, if nothing else. Um, Ethan, it's great to have you on. We're excited to preview Louisville. I, I, the people that listen to this podcast often would know that this is kind of my my secondary team. You know, I've got a lot of family from Louisville. Louisville is a, a, a big thing in my family, and so uh, the Cardinals definitely my my secondary team after Georgia Tech. And so, looking back on the last couple of years, 2016 team got off to a really strong start, nine uh, and one, and then the thing kind of fell off at the end. Uh, Lamar Jackson wins a Heisman Trophy. It was great. Came back in 2017. uh, There were some more difficulties that happened, particularly with the defense. There were some games that kind of got away from the team a little bit. And now going into 2018, Ethan, you got to replace Lamar Jackson, who I think we can agree, again, was this generational talent. He was a great quarterback. And the thing I've been saying on this podcast for a couple of months now is that there is a significant difference between generational talent and pretty good. And, and there's a lot of people that think that Juwan Puma pass can be pretty good. Talk to me about what we should expect from him and, and how much of a step down this is from what we've gotten the last couple of years with Lamar Jackson.
2: Well, in terms of athleticism, that's going to be the number one component that you're going to see as soon as Louisville takes the field against Alabama on September 1st. Um, he has got, again, this is just based on reports from practice, he has got um, a cannon for an arm. His accuracy um, is reportedly better than Lamar Jackson's was at this time. Um, he can run if, if need be. It's, there's not going to be a lot of play calls for him to run. There will be some, but not very many. But he is Bobby Petrino's, um, the prototype drop-back quarterback. He's going to take the ball under center. Um, they're going to be able to utilize the play action Um, and, you know, a lot of times they utilized, they tried to with Lamar, but everybody knew he was going to keep the ball, and it never really worked, at least as, as, as well as Petrino and company would have liked. But I think that's the, the main component is the athleticism. But I think uh, you're going to see with Puma um, better accuracy, a stronger arm, um, a typical Petrino quarterback, and I think you're going to see offensively with Louisville, they're going to have a lot more balance.
1: let's talk about the running game a little bit. Um, did we lose him? We good. Oh, we're good. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the running game a little bit because, um, a year ago, uh, they lost Colin Wilson in the opener, uh, essentially, you know, gained a medical redshirt. Uh, he's going to be able to play this year at running back. Let's talk about the running game and, and how that will help to pass here, uh, at the outset, because we know that Louisville's got plenty of skill receivers on skill players on the outside at receiver, but, um, uh, how is this running game going to look? Because we're not going to get nearly as many runs out of the quarterback position as, as we've seen in years past with Lamar Jackson.
2: Um, that's a great question. In um, the main, um, I guess, topic for Louisville fans right now in the offseason is the, the health of the running backs. You mentioned um, Colin Wilson was a, a fantastic talent and also day Williams. That's the one, two combo that most fans expect to see. But, uh, they have shown glimpses of being very talented playmaking backs, but the sample size is pretty small because they cannot stay healthy. Also, another name to, to look for is Trey Smith. He got some reps in garbage time last year. Coach Petrino said right now he is number one on the depth chart. Uh, people have speculated that he's using that as a motivational tactic to get uh, Williams and Wilson a little bit more motivated, not saying that they have to have that additional motivation, but a lot of people are speculating um, as to why he said that in the first place. But I think with, with Day Williams, you have – and Colin Wilson, really – you don't have a lot of um, breakneck speed, but you do have good vision and you have a good combination of speed and power. So if – it's a big if – if those running backs stay healthy. I'm really bullish on Louisville offensively this year – because, again, with Petrino's best teams at Louisville, and I'm, that's going back to 03 to 06, he was so successful offensively because he allowed the run game to set up the pass. With Lamar, he was, uh, you know, like Joey said from the, uh, from the start, he was a generational talent, 100% agree. However, Petrino's offensive philosophy, he had to, you know, his bread and butter is the pro style. He wasn't able to, to use that the last two and a half years because Lamar Jackson, that wasn't fit for his game. So I'm excited about the running game. If the backs stay healthy, Petrino will use them to set up the pass. Um, And you're going to hear a lot of pass completes a pass to, you know, so on and so forth, Jalen Smith, Jess Fitzpatrick, so on and so forth. But for the running backs, Trey Smith is another name I think uh, ACC fans uh, will, will keep an eye out for, especially if they're playing Louisville. Those three backs right there, good power, good speed, not great speed, but
0: a good combination of both of those uh, aspects. It's an interesting point, Ethan, that the last couple of years with Lamar Jackson at the Helms have definitely been a different-looking offense than we're used to seeing from Bobby Petrino at the college level. You know, you look at his first in at Louisville, even his time at Arkansas, the, the offense he was running was significantly different than the – The run heavy, you know, utilizing the quarterback mobility kind of stuff that you saw the last couple of years from Lamar Jackson. And so Mm -hmm. getting into more of a pass first natured quarterback of of Puma Pass might might make more sense and, and really have less of a drop off maybe than some people are expecting. I want to talk about the defense real quick and going back a couple of years to when Charlie Strong left and went to Texas. Um, Bobby Petrino, correct me if I'm wrong. His when he came back initially, he hired Brian, or uh, not Brian, He hired Todd Grantham to come with him to Louisville that first year. And I remember telling a couple of family friends, again Louisville fans, and saying, "I feel like they need to do something over the next couple of years to improve the offense because the defense is going to fall off, and that's what we've seen. And I think last year you saw it fall off significantly oh. after." Yeah, Todd Grantham left to go to Mississippi State, joins uh, Dan Mullen down there. And Louisville essentially pulls off a trade, pulling Peter Sermon from Mississippi State. And it became pretty clear Mississippi State won that trade. (laughs) Yes. The defense was – yeah, they weren't good. and, And it was significantly different when Jair Alexander was and wasn't on the field. Now they've got to replace Alexander, Chucky Williams, Zykes Cannon, and Tremaine Washington in the back. Stacey Thomas, Trevon Young, and James Hearns in the uh, linebacking core. I wanted to get your take on where the defense is this year. They bring in Brian Van Gorder, who is – Mike and I have decided that we are going to lovingly refer to as the notorious BVG, uh, (laughs) as as many fans will love him here on the podcast. But, Ethan, where are we at on the Louisville defense this year? Are there high hopes? Is this – is this a rebuilding year? Is it a can't really get much worse kind of thing? Where, where are we at here with the Cardinals' defense? It's a little bit of
2: It's a little bit of rebuilding slash it can't get any worse. I mean, you mentioned the the trade uh, essentially is what it was. I mean, when Sermon was first hired, I mean, you look at his stats, and I think the Bulldogs were like in the hundreds across the board total passing, rushing, and people were just like, I mean, what what are they doing? Like. Um, you know, and it, it. I think at the end of the day, Grantham and Petrino didn't get along, so they had to go their separate ways, fine, whatever. But to – I mean, it was a lazy hire. I mean, let's be honest. I don't know, you know, what, what Petrino saw in Sermon based on his one-year body of work that was terrible at Mississippi State. I don't know how he thought that would transition in, in, to do doing something positive at Louisville. Obviously, it was a failure. Um, but But to this season – that's the biggest question mark of this team. I think um, a, a lot of people nationally uh, raised their eyebrows when Coach Petrino said that he thought the offense would be even better without Lamar Jackson. I tend to believe that they, it can. But defensively, it's just a big question mark. I do think um, the first team has a lot of talent. The depth will be lacking. But I certainly think um, once the, the first team is situated – was going to be using three transfers from big-name programs. Rajay Burns in the secondary transfer from Ohio State, four-star kid coming out of high school. Another four-star kid, P.J. Mbanasor, defensive back from Oklahoma, that's, tran- that's transferred in. Another four-star defensive end, Boosie Whitlow, who I would say probably one of the top three names in all of ACC. Uh, Boosie Whitlow will probably be starting um, on the defensive line somewhere as well. Those three guys are going to boost – Um, a defense that certainly needs that that extra jolt of talent. Wilva has um, some returning studs in Dorian Etheridge. He was a freshman All-American at linebacker, started every single game. Jonathan Gennard will be opposite of Boosie Whitlow on the defensive end. Uh, Rush Yeast, a uh, cornerback, D. Smith, and Marlon Character at the safety positions. Rush Yeast was a four-star Under Armour All-American. Trial by fire, though, man. He got smoked several times. It, there was also there was a couple games where I, I mean I felt bad for him, honestly. I mean they were obviously picking on him. Um, looked lost, but he did have glimpses of he did show glimpses of, of being a talented kid um, with uh, Brian Van Gorder's defense. You know I don't know a lot about him. Based on the hire, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Obviously, he got run off from Notre Dame because the defense wasn't very good. Once he left Notre Dame, I think, at least statistically, they were eight points better and points given up, eight less points given up after his departure. Um, but, again, it's it's one of those things. It can't get much worse. If Louisville's defense could be average, then I think that this is a nine- or eight-win team um, easily, in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. I think Brian Van Gorder is uh, an obvious – I mean, we – and Joey and I make fun of Brian Van Gorder endlessly on this podcast, as a lot of our listeners know at this point. But Brian Van Gorder is unquestionably an upgrade over Peter Sermon. Unquestionably. Agreed. Okay, Um, okay.
2: that makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, I don't know how you could get – I mean, I think us three could probably um, do a better job than Sermon did with the defense last year.
1: And I think I think when you said it was a lazy hire, um, I, you know, I think that's, you know, truthfully, just like the perfect, to de- de- really just the perfect description. Um, and, and Joey and I haven't approached it from that angle at all. But, you know, when you look at it and, you know, he's brought in, essentially, they, they don't really look at anybody else. They hire Peter Sermon rather quickly. Like you said, he was, you know, his defense of Mississippi State ranked in the hundreds across the board in his one year as
0: the coordinator, like. It, they, was it was the
2: same day. It was it was crazy. I've never seen anything
0: like that happen before. I would, if, if I'm not mistaken, he was also like a recruiting coordinator for Mississippi State as well. So I think the idea was maybe he'll recruit really well. But yeah, that's what it you, was. You don't hire a great recruiter to be your coordinator, right? No. Like that. There's a you. That's a position coach, not a coordinator. Exactly. I mean, again, that and that was a lot of people were saying
2: the same thing i think he had a really talented nephew playing quarterback i think he's in nashville a fringe five-star kid and people were speculating well maybe you know they're bringing him on as the as the dc to get his nephew that never materialized but i mean guys midway through the year i mean they would have their defensive backs would be 10 yards off the ball on a third and four now i'm no football savant but i could also say um that doesn't make any sense and then these offenses would eat him up. I mean, it was just like, well, yes. I mean, a lot, we heard the phrase, you know, bend, don't break. I mean, Louisville was bend, 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 getting in the red zone, then break. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, you knew what was going to happen almost every possession. But then, you know, Louisville did have some injuries. Their, their first round draft pick, Jair Alexander, who's, who's uh, reportedly playing really well for the Packers right now in training camp, um, he was hurt for well over half of the year. The games that he played, the defense looked better. And that's because he had his side of the field on lockdown. But when he was, when he wasn't hurt, um the defense looked formidable. When he was
0: hurt, the defense was awful. That whole Ben 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 break in the red zone thing is giving me flashbacks to the last five years of Ted Roof defense I've watched for what it's worth. Ooh. Well, didn't Ted Roof if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he
2: – didn't he agree in principle to coach U of L? I think, for like a month and then he never materialized and he went somewhere else and went to Auburn maybe? I want to say that um, if he I, wasn't officially named, he was going to be a coach but then left before he officially started, I think, years
0: ago. I was going to say that must have been a while ago because I don't – I don't really remember what happened. I know he was Duke's head coach for a while, and then at some point he was Auburn's defensive coordinator when they won the national title, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, that's the best I got on Ted Roof history. I know that yeah. then he went to Penn State for a year, and then he went to Georgia Tech where it's his alma mater, and that hasn't been a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope NC State fans are enjoying him. He'll be a fine recruiting coordinator. It'll be fine. Um, there, there you go.
1: Let's talk about Bobby Petrino. Okay, we're in round two of the Bobby Petrino era. Um, you know, obviously, this is we're coming into his fifth year now uh, with the program in his second stint. Obviously, a much different situation in the second stint than the first, given where they are in the ACC, and it's really been an eight or nine win ceiling. And the best season, arguably, was really in 2016 um, when they were so close to. I, I mean let's let's look at it this way they they're literally a yard and a half away from being on the doorstep to upset a clemson team that wins the national championship um thanks for reminding me
2: michael about that thank you
1: they lose they lose to houston on the road uh they lose to kentucky with when lamar jackson played arguably his worst game maybe one of the worst games of his career um in that season finale in 16 um and then they ultimately lose the bowl game. Uh, but that that's arguably the best year that Petrino's had since he's been back. It's just been a different tenure here. So I'm kind of curious as to what the temperature is of the fan base, especially coming off of last year where defense obviously performed quite poorly. And now we have a lot of questions as to you know how the defense is going to be this year and what kind of rebuild it's going to be. So what's the fan base thinking about the Bobby Petrino era here for part two?
2: That's a great question and something that we've discussed locally I mean, this week, then on my show, Louisville Sports Live, last night, we, we brought it up. I think, let, let's look at the numbers first. In his second stand, he's 34 and 18, which is solid. 21 and 11 in the ACC. Again, pretty good. Not great, but good. Um, but against ranked teams, he's 1 and 10. And, you know, certainly on the surface, that's not good. I'm not going to be making excuses for that. A handful of those are top ten, top five Clemson, Florida State teams. And so that's understandable um, for Louisville not to beat those teams. I I certainly understand that. I can get that. Um, On the flip side, there's several games uh, that Louisville had a chance to win and didn't. Now, I don't think Louisville fans, if there's a sample size of 11 games against ranked opponents in his first four years back, I think Louisville fans would be content at four and seven. You know, one in ten—it's not acceptable. Uh, that's been uh, that's been a, a point of contention with a lot of Louisville fans. Um, it's not a good look. Again, if four and seven, three and eight, even if if Petrino and his teams were to show that they can beat more than one ranked team in a four-year span. Now, granted, that one win was phenomenal—the sixty-three to twenty beat down of Florida State when College Game Day. Uh, made their first uh, appearance in Louisville. That was fantastic. That that was a perfect all-around game. Um, the temperature, Petrino is certainly not on the hot seat at all uh, by any stretch. I will say this. Uh, we wrote a story on our site, LouisvilleSportsLive.net, this past week. It says, now is the year for Petrino to overachieve. Um Underwhelming, I think, is an adjective that you could use to describe his first four years, you know, either nine and four, or eight and five. And if we're being honest, he wasn't brought back to win eight or nine games. He was brought back to, you know, flirt with 10 win seasons, to flirt with the New Year's six. You know, like you said, Louisville's number five and nine and one going into Houston. They were a 14 point favorite. And then they just got embarrassed, run off the field. And not only that, it compounded matters when they lost to, um, perennial SEC scrub Kentucky at home on a, on a fluke Louisville was a 27 point home favorite lost oh. that one. And then they weren't very competitive oh. in the LSU bowl game. As you can tell, that, that still fires me up that I remember that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so going into this year, this is certainly a show me year for Petrino. Again, he's not on the hot seat by any stretch. His seat isn't even lukewarm. However, if Louisville were to have another uninspiring season seven and five, six and six, with certainty, his seat will be getting warm. There's no doubt about that. But this right now, as of as of today, August 9th, um heading into the season, um, you know, I would certainly think fans are they're not clamoring for his job by any stretch. They're a little I think the best way to describe it is they're wait and see. They they want to see something this year. Um, they're not going to give him a pass because of last year's last year's disappointment and then the collapse of 2016. So this is a show me year for Patrino in 2018, no doubt.
0: So put it this way: they they're not clamoring for his job, but he also doesn't have a ton of equity built up with the fans. Is that fair? I w- I would say that I think
2: you know you look at it in something that's that we talk about on my show and and the fans do as well and it's worth bringing up on your all's podcast is local fans as a fan base we're kind of confused on where to be are we good with being like an nc state like middle of the pack going 9 and 4 8 and 5 5 and 3 in the conference you know is that where we are or, or are we striving for 10 win seasons being ranked in the top 15 and flirting with that Orange Bowl berth, you know, or New Year's Six. So we're we're in the middle there. But I think, though, too, that the tide can turn for the better. This is what we said this last night. The beauty of this season is Petrino is in total control. He wins nine games. Then all of this chatter that we're even discussing right now goes away because it's all right. Petrino has overachieved this year. He answered the questions. He still has it, you know. They fart around and go seven and five, six and six. And there's going to be the grumbling will get loud because remember, Louisville has a um, $55 million expansion to their stadium uh, with a lot more luxury suites. So they've closed in the end zone now. Looks phenomenal. It's not finished yet, 30 days out. Um, and then there's a guy up in West Lafayette, Indiana, the favorite son of Louisville football and Jeff Bron. His
0: mm-hmm. first year
2: at Purdue, they went seven and six. The four years prior to Brahm's arrival, Purdue won nine games. Brahm won seven in his first year. Right or wrong, the fans are keeping their eyes on Jeff Brom, And if Petrino were to go seven and five, but then Brahm goes seven and five at Purdue, there's a lot more excitement there. You know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Petrino, no doubt about it, after year five. But we'll see. But if he goes nine and three, in the regular season, then all that dissipates. It, it goes away. That's the beauty of the season. There's a lot um, that P- that Petrino can control to control that narrative of, you know, is he, is he are his years numbered at Louisville or is he going to be here for the long term? And
0: I think we're going to know one way or the other by late November this season. For what it's worth, Ethan, I, I was – they're in person in the stadium at the 2016 Houston game. And it is, if not the single worst game viewing experience I've been there for, for any game of either of my two favorite teams, it is easily in the discussion. It was brutal. Um, oh, wanna, oh I, yeah, that was ugly. Yeah. Let's stop talking about the past. Let's talk about this year. Um uh, want to talk about Louisville coming into this year. A new face on offense. Doesn't have to be a freshman, but someone that we haven't really heard of in the past. I think – Puma Pass, probably the easiest uh, name here, but is there a name on the offense at Louisville that we haven't really heard in the past that we are going to know by the end of this season? I think tight end Kamari Uh, He He's a big body
2: guy, 6'6", 270, great hands, really agile for his size. Um, Petrino, you know, likes to use the double tight ends. He got a lot of run last year. Uh, not too much, but some that, that was he was able to show you glimpse of, glimpses of his talent. I think certainly Kamari Everett will be a name um, for fans to watch and, and a name that um, will be uh, – he'll be a reliable tight end. I think also uh, Mickey Crum is the other tight end. He's a senior. He's been um, stricken with injuries more more so than not. So I, I'm going to give you two names, Kamari Averett and Mickey Crumb, both tight ends, and I think you're going to see a lot more – um, passes thrown their way, again, with the traditional passing uh, game of Juwan Pass. Is is Mickey Denny's boy? No, no. Great question. No, uh, I, I forgot where Mickey's from. Uh, I want to say he's from the Midwest, but no, great. Uh, you know, your Louisville history. Yes, uh, that's no relation as far as I'm
0: concerned. My dad taught me well. Yes, he did.
1: <laughs> how, about, how about new name on defense? So we got the three transfers you were alluding to earlier. Would it be one of those three guys or somebody else?
2: No, uh, I'm going to give you Marlon. Character. He is a six foot, 185 pound safety, JUCO kid, high three star uh, kid. Uh, he uh, originally signed with Auburn, went the JUCO route. Uh, Coach Petrino was really high on him so far in the offseason, uh, Pretty good size, um, really athletic. He's a ball hawk. Uh, somebody that I think not only will crack the two deep, but, but could start. Um, so Marlon character is your name um, for Louisville on the defensive side at safety. Petrino, again, is really high on him. And, you know, he's going to be – there's a, certainly a lot of opportunity for him to come in and play because Louisville lost the, the majority of their of their secondary this past season.
0: Ethan, let's look at the schedule here. Uh, I, we've been breaking this up for all these teams into kind of three categories, these games of surefire wins, surefire losses, and toss-ups. Um, looking at this schedule and surefire wins, the three games I think that really stick out to me are home against Indiana State, home against Western Kentucky, and home ag- and home against the University of Kentucky the, the last weekend of the year. Um, those are the three games that I think that pretty much no way no how is Louisville going to lose this year. Even Kentucky being a rivalry game, it's like playing that game at home and, and what I expect from the Wildcats. Like I, I don't see. Louisville losing that game. Are, are, how do you feel about those three games, and are there any others on the schedule that you're like, no way, no how is Louisville going to lose that game? Uh, first, the first week against Alabama. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, I'm just, just kidding. I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah. I'm going to get uh, my pen out. And,
2: yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I didn't roll tide coming to my house and pitchforks and stuff. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I, I give you Indiana State and, Ver, and Western – As surefire wins, I would put um, – I'll have another category. I think 75% chance or better, I would throw Kentucky in there, and that's because it's weird. I don't know what it is, but Louisville has a better record against Kentucky and Lexington than they do in Louisville. It's weird. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, Petrino obviously you know, is seven and one against them in his two years here um, in Louisville, but the one loss was at home. Um, So I'll give you the two surefire wins for me, Indiana State, Western. I think the the wins with seventy five percent chance are better, are at Virginia, um, Kentucky, at Syracuse and Wake Forest, um, and so now the two surefire losses. I think there's only two losses that I'm going into the season with, chalking them up. No surprise here: Alabama and Clemson, uh, Louisville, and Petrino, Like I mentioned earlier, one in ten against ranked teams. I, I think. With those, that's going to make it 1 and 12. Um, another little factoid um, every time he's played Louisville and, and Petrino's second stint against a ranked SEC opponent, he's 0 and 4 uh, with an average margin of loss of about 13 and a half points. So, again, I'm not, I'm not expecting anything with, with Alabama. They're on a different level. Clemson's on a different level. Now, three out of the four years uh, against Clemson, Louisville has battled them you could easily make the argument that Louisville should have won two of those three games. um, But at the end of the day, they didn't make the plays to do that. So those are the two for sure losses. 50-50 toss-ups. Florida State, Georgia Tech, Joey, on a Friday night um, at Boston College and then NC State at home. Those are my my four toss-up games. I think Louisville could split those. Um, I think it's reasonable to expect that. Um, but I think the Florida State game—it's uh, going to come down. Louisville season, I think, is going to come down to three games: Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Boston College. The uh, end of September, beginning of October. If Louisville goes two and one in that, then I think eight or nine wins is possible. I could see Louisville beating Florida State for the third straight year. It's at home. Um, you know, Taggart's still getting his guys—you know—situated. Um, Now, I could see Louisville also losing a close one to Florida State. The stadium's going to be hype. Um, Now, it's a blackout for Georgia Tech, Um, but I could see them on just, what, six days to prepare, an emotionally draining game, win or lose against Florida State. Um, I could see, you know, the Yellow Jackets coming in there uh, and and getting a win. And then at Boston College, I mean, I think uh, A.J. Dillon scored again on Louisville. He rushed for 272 yards and four touchdowns last year. I mean, I, it it seemed like to me after that game, he just got done running a 5K against Louisville's defense. It was that bad. Um, so that's a, a vital three-game stretch, but I would put those three games, too, are the 50-50, 50-50 toss-ups. Um, and it's, again, you know, Petrino's paid $4 million a year. This is year five, and this is where most of the fans will fall back on that experience, and, you know, it's reasonable to expect Louisville should win two out of those three games. But we'll see. They haven't – they they didn't last year.
1: My turn, Joe, yeah? Huh? You're up. Indiana State, Western Kentucky, I think, are two pretty safe bets. I I like Louisville's chances against Kentucky at the end of the year uh, because they do get it at home. But that was an interesting point, Ethan, that you brought up that um, – you know Louisville actually has more success in Lexington against Kentucky than they do at home. Uh, that's very interesting. Uh, the surefire losses I think are Alabama and Clemson. Um, Alabama neutral site game that it doesn't matter where you play them. They're just you know yeah. they're Alabama. Um, Clemson on the road. Uh, it's hard to imagine Clemson losing any games this year. Period. Um, it, and you know they've had some great teams and they've had some great teams that have been upset. So um, there's always one and there's always an opportunity, but just to see Clemson losing at home to a rebuilding Louisville, I think would be a pretty big surprise to everybody.
2: Um, it would, it would indeed.
1: Um, looking at the rest of the schedule um, at Virginia, I, I think they'll have a pretty good shot of winning that game on the road. Um, Virginia going to Virginia is a very weird place to play, uh, but I like Louisville's chances there. Um, and, you know, everything you said about that three-game stretch here at the end of September and into the first two weeks of October, I completely agree. I think that completely defines Louisville's season and the direction in which it goes. Um That Florida State game, I think, is very winnable. Um I, I, I honestly think that. I think Florida State's a very talented team, Uh but I think Louisville's going to have an opportunity there. Petrino's had success against Florida State, obviously, the last couple of years. Um Florida State will be a lot better this year, mm-hmm. but... You do get that game at home, and I think that's important. Um, Georgia Tech, complete toss-up game to me. Uh, that could go a number of different directions. Georgia Tech's another team I expect to be pretty good, uh, but you get that game at home. And then on the road to BC, that's one of the toughest games on the schedule, and nobody's going to talk about it that way. Uh, Boston College, I think, has an opportunity to, again, be, be a very good team. They had the best running back in the conference, and like you said, he had a ton of success against them last year. So it brings back those bad memories. But I think Louisville's got an opportunity there to kind of get back and figure things out defensively um, and, and try to slow down A.J. Dillon, even though that game's on the road. Um, I'll give my record prediction now, Joey, uh, just to get it out of the way. I'm going to say 7-5. and five. Um, I could see it better than that. I could easily see it at 8-4 and four at the very least. Um, but 7-5 and five is what I'm going to go with. Um, Indiana State, Western Kentucky are the locks. I think they likely beat Virginia, Um, but I think that stretch, Florida State, Georgia Tech, B.C., I would not be surprised if Louisville lost at least two of those games. I think if they do lose two of those games, that's where we see them falling in kind of that 7-5 and range. But there are going to be a lot of toss-up games this year on Louisville's schedule. That's just kind of the way things are laid out with a rebuilding program. Uh, So it can go a number of different directions. I'm going to play it very, very conservative here and say 7-5. and That might be on the low end. I'd be surprised if they were worse than that. I think they'll definitely make a bowl game at the very least. Um, but that's where I'm going to go this year with a rebuilding program, which will make things very interesting. Uh, it, seeing what the temperature of the program is going to be, especially if Jeff Brom has another successful year at Purdue, because I don't think seven and five is going to cut it there at Louisville with those fans, like you mentioned,
2: Mike. You're right. If Louisville goes seven and five and Brom gets Purdue another bowl
0: game, it's going to get
2: it'll get a little
0: dicey. I'll tell you that. I can imagine there will be some uh, some unrest within the fan base, to say the least. Um, so I've already said I, I think that what you're looking at at the, you know at minimum is three and two, right? You know, three wins: Indiana State, Western Kentucky. I'm sticking with my guns on Kentucky. I think by the end of the year, I don't see Kentucky winning this game against Louisville, especially in Louisville. Um, two losses: Alabama at Clemson. So the other seven games. Here's what I'm looking at. So first of all, I like to talk in ranges of where I think these teams could end up. I I think this team ends up, you know, I, I've I've been kind of low on them all off season. I'm starting to come around on them a little bit. I think the low end for Louisville is probably six and six. I think the ultra high end, like absolute best case scenario, is probably like nine and three. I would agree. But. What I would say is that there are three specific scheduling quirks that I hate in Louisville's schedule. Number one is getting Georgia Tech on short rest after Florida State. That's not great. Number two is getting Boston College on the road. Number three is getting Syracuse on the road on a Friday night. Those three things both look – all three look you know, fairly ominous to me if I'm looking at what I think Louisville's going to end up at. Mm Mm-hmm. I think if I look at those other you know, seven games that I didn't previously mention, I'm going to lean three and four, which is going to be, I guess, six and six. It could be four and three. You could come away one and two in those three games. Um, it's nice that you get Florida State at home. It's good that you get Wake Forest at home, NC State at home. You know, Those are some of those games that should be significantly tougher. If you go two and one in that stretch, I think you're doing okay. Um, but, Ethan, I think you were spot on about that three game stretch again, Florida state, Georgia tech at Boston college is, is very, very indicative of what the rest of the season is going to look like. You know, I'm going to stick with my guns. I I've been, um, I've been pessimistic this whole off season. I'm going to say six and six for Louisville. I I don't love it. I I am, I am discouraged. I I want them to prove me wrong. Again, I'm a Louisville fan. I want them to do well. Um, You know, I've heard that, Jawan Pass might be the second coming of Cam Newton, and that would be fantastic for this program. But I, I think I'm going to go six and six here, and, and and hope that Bobby Petrino proves me wrong. Uh, and if not, like you've mentioned, I mean, hey, Jeff Broms waiting in the wings, and he's not that far away. What? That's only like a three hour drive.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> less less than. I don't know if any Louisville fans have have you know monitored that um, closely yet. But I mean, yeah, if. Guys, if Louisville were to, were to go, you know, to match your predictions of six and six or seven and five, then yes, there's going to be a lot of discussion, a lot of rumbling. But um if I may, I'll give my prediction. I think Louisville goes eight and four. I think that they they do better than a lot of national publications are predicting them, which is six and six. I think the offense is going to go back to its balanced style, the, the balanced attack. I think um, an important um, – factoid to to mention is prior to last year, um, in the group of Wake Forest, um, NC State, and Boston College, Louisville was a collective 9-0. and They hadn't lost to any, any of those three schools, and then they turned around, flipped the script, lost to um, those three last year. I don't see that happening again. Now, will they lose to one of those three teams? Good chance of that but I don't see them lo- dropping all three of those games. You guys mentioned the home game, uh, getting NC State at home is a big deal. I think, again, I'm, it's a 75% chance of Bear Louisville beats Wake at home. Uh, I think they're going to take care of business at Virginia. I think they're going to take care of business at Syracuse. I mean, that's four conference wins right there. I think they'll get one of Georgia Tech or Florida State. Um I could see Louisville beating both of those teams. I could see Louisville losing to both. It's it's one of those things. There is a lot of question marks with this team, and that's what makes it kind of fun. Um, but I, I do think a lot of times it's not getting talked about a lot. It was is when Petrino's teams don't have that target on their back. They always seem to rise to the occasion. They always seem to overachieve and do better. They, they are a much better team when they when. They're the hunter, not the
0: hunted. Ethan Vegas's win total is seven for Louisville. Are you going over? Over. Yep. You putting money on that? Uh, you know what? If it
2: depends. A lot of the sports books uh, that I see um, have it at seven and a half, so it's a little bit dicey. But if I get it at seven, I, I would put money on eight. I mean, I, I really do think. You know, <clears throat> I, I think the defense will be better if the defense is just average. I mean, that's all it has to be. I don't expect it to be spectacular. I don't know a lot about notorious BBG yet. <laughs> uh, you know, Mike was scaring me a little bit in the open about him. Um, but, again, I, I just I, – it's almost impossible for Louisville to be any worse defensively. If they are just average, then I think Louisville could easily win eight or nine games. And healthy. they got to stay healthy as well because – I like the Louisville's defensive talent on the first team, but depth will be a factor of the lack of it.
1: I just want to, not not to completely circle back, but we were talking about the schedule a minute ago. I think it's absolutely criminal that the ACC allows Louisville to play Georgia Tech on a Friday right after they get Florida State. So they get Georgia Tech on short rest, an option offense they're not going to see anywhere else the entire season. Yep. And then – at Clemson on November 3rd, and then on short rest, they have to go to the Carrier Dome, which is a very, very tough place to play. It is. On, on short rest, after you play arguably one of the best – not arguably – one of the best teams in the country in Clemson. Uh, I never even—I
2: I didn't even look at it like that. You're right, yeah. Um, that's another Friday night kickoff, and then that's when, of course, uh, they beat Clemson last year. And right. And it was weird. Uh, Syracuse didn't win a game the rest of the year. Uh, after they beat Clemson, and then Clemson went on to the college football playoff. Crazy times, but there was a great point, Mike. Yeah, it's it's the what third to last game of the season. Um, I'm sure you know the Orange will be hovering around bowl eligibility. If Lowell is not locked in, I mean, they could take a loss there.
1: We've seen a random upset there before, um, so th- this wouldn't be the first time. It definitely won't be the last uh, if Louisville were to lose on the road at the Carrier Dome on a random Friday night.
0: So, the good the good news is it's November, so God knows who will be healthy and who won't for Syracuse at that point. Yeah, right. I mean, Eric Dungey, that poor kid.
2: He can't. I mean, he can't catch a break. That kid is a phenomenal talent, man. When healthy, I mean. You know, it's just it's a shame that he can't you know catch a break and stay healthy. I was I don't know if he can't catch a break, since he can't get any help. <laughs> nobody well, that
0: too. Yeah, they I don't mean, watch for tough. him; they not catch for him.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And when he's laying on his back all the time, I mean, it's tough to complete a pass that way.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He
1: was he was Joey's pick last year for he was preseason in our in our picks. He was Joey's preseason ACC Player of the Year, which I thought was a phenomenal pick because he was a guy that nobody would actually uh bet on um it, it was a ni- it was a nice pick to go outside of the box because eric dungy really is, he's a phenomenal player but he cannot stay on the field yeah i know
2: so i mean i, I hope he has a great season except on november 9th um but you know we'll see it's, but it, it speaks though to how much better the acc has gotten overall i mean especially the acc atlantic i mean listen it's i mean you want to talk about the toughest division in college football i mean last year um, you had NC State who kind of uh, – they finished in the top 25. I mean, obviously, Clemson's a beast. Now, this year you go back to have um, Florida State ranked in most people's top 20s. Then you have a lot of solid teams, again, like NC State, like a Louisville. Now, um, Wake Forest is even better. I mean, they went 8-5 and five and beat Texas A&M in their bowl game. I mean, when you think of Wake Forest football, you don't think, you know, wow. But they, don't, they won eight games and beat, a, you know, a decent – a&M team in their bowl game. And and then um, Virginia, they went to a bowl game. You now they I think they're what six and four, then lost the last three, something like that. But I mean, you know, Boston College, obviously. You know, they come come in there. Louisville, 20 point favorites at home, lost 45-42 uh, because they couldn't stop they couldn't stop two plays. Handoff to Dillon, and they couldn't stop a bootleg play action to their tight end running across the field. Peter Sermon Defense. I mean, literally from my seat in the end zone, they were going to do, oh, this is going to be where the quarterback fakes a handoff, rolls out, and then hits the receiver, 10-yard, 15-yard gain, first down. Literally, they did that three separate times on the same drive. The guy was wide open all three times.
0: Well, thank God for the notorious BVG. Here he comes. And his goatee in all of his glory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. Ethan, this has been an awesome preview. Uh, it should be a, a very intriguing season for Louisville, to say the least. Again, a lot of guys for a place, a lot of questions over what will be better or worse. But I, I think this has given a, an absolute fantastic look into what this will or won't be. This, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a great time. Tell the people where they can find your work, where they can uh, hear your content. Uh,
2: great. LouisvilleSportsLive.net is the website. We're on Twitter at Elleville Sports without an O live. And then we're on the local ESPN affiliate, uh, 93.9 TheVille FM. And, of course, you could stream that on iHeart, TuneIn app, and the uh, 93.9TheVille.com as well.
0: And go find him at at underscore Ethan Moore on Twitter. Uh, Ethan, thanks for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Please come back soon. You're welcome back anytime.
2: Thanks, guys, for having me. And and congrats, Joey, for Georgia Tech finally going with Adidas and dumping uh, Russell Athletic. It is a good day, Ethan. It's a good day to be alive. I (laughs) I saw that. Thanks, guys, for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. All right, Mike, we got to get out of here. Uh, We got more teams we got a preview. In the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel, CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, he is at underscore Ethan Moore and at Elville Sports Live without an O in there. Uh, Y'all can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And you can also send us an email to the longest email address, known to man, gmail.com. Nailed it. Yes, I did. Uh, by the way, we got one for the, uh, the Georgia Tech podcast. Andrew Parker asking very cheeky questions. We'll get to that. But if you have questions on the other teams that we haven't previewed yet, please send them in. We'll get to those. I promise. Uh, Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias.
1: Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. got the BC podcast that's gone up, Pitt coming up too as well. Uh, we'll have that posted. Um, all of our podcasts are found there, all the season previews rate and review us on itunes i pinned a link to our profile on twitter go check that out we've had a lot of rates and reviews since i have done that please go check that out it's right there on our on our twitter page uh, you'll find it right there as a pin tweet at the top
0: please do so again at bc podcast acc uh mike anything else before we get out of here
1: i think we're good more season previews coming
0: Yes, sir. More more previews coming. Well, for that guy, Mike McDaniel, and for our guest, Ethan Moore, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then, go ACC.